Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Why? If you've ever had a toddler, uh, you might have grown to hate that expression. Why? If you've been a teenager, uh, which most of us have, uh, you understand that that's a question that comes back around again in a whole new uh, realm, a whole new confidence, a whole new boldness to just question every single thing around you. Uh, But as an adult, you've probably come to find out that that question is a beautiful question. It's a question that provides a sense of clarity and purpose, and it allows you to move forward in boldness and confidence in the things that which you put your hands to. And so why? Um, There are several books made popular in recent years about what's your why or following your why. And uh, they all have the common theme that there is a motive, there's a principle behind knowing your why. Today, I want to talk to you about that. You see, as a Christian, it is not only common and normal for us to get beaten down and tired. Um, It is common for us to question, like, man, what are we doing this for? I I serve, I give, or I try to read the scriptures. I try to be a good person. And over and over and over again, you'll find people that say, you know what? I just, man, I'm, I'm losing my perspective. I'm, I'm, I don't really get what it's for. I'm not sure that I'm making enough traction. And so we can get deflated and dejected. And the reality is, is that almost every time when you talk to somebody that's in the middle of that season, which again is common and normal, the reality is many times we've simply lost our why. We got started. We got beat up. We got distracted, we lost focus, and then we're trying to figure out how we got here to begin with. So what is your why? Today I want to talk to you about working your why, Uh, working your why. And uh, to do that, I thought the best thing to do would be to jump back to some people who knew their why. Hebrews chapter 11, I want to read for you. It will not be up on the screen, so you'll need to do the old-fashioned open up your Bible or uh, the old-fashioned as of a week ago, open up your your iPhone. But, uh, but Hebrews 11, it walks through some people who understood their why. And it says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through this, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, look at this, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he commended the world and became an heir Uh, condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by 
faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place and he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself, she received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she had considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as, as good as dead, meaning he was an old dude, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make clear that they are seeking a homeland if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they deserve a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, look at this, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And it goes on and on and on, another 11, 12, 13 verses. And over and over and over, we see Abel and Enoch and Noah and uh, Abram and Sarah and Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Israel, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And yet we have a habit, all of us do, we have a habit of getting in by faith and we start on our journey by faith. But before long, it becomes by works and it becomes by effort and it becomes by willpower and it becomes by I want to and it becomes by can I get to, to this job or to that post or that finance level. And all of a sudden, without realizing it, we are no longer living our lives and walking our journey by faith. And so we can be doing the same exact things, going to the same exact churches and doing the same exact level of service. And at one time, we had optimistic, hopeful eyes. And at another time, we say, gee, why am I here? And what will happen is we tend to just snipe at whatever moves that can provide some kind of reason. But at the heart of it, we lost our why. At the heart of it, we lost our why. We, 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 we don't remember often going back to the place to where we just needed Jesus by faith. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking at Jesus, the founder, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you might not grow weary. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us do some things. Let us lay aside every weight. When we work from our why, we drop the dead weight. When we work from our why, we will drop the dead weight. 
I, um, a couple of weeks ago before I got sick, <laughs> I uh, went to the gym and I was like, I'm going to get back into this thing. So I, I have a problem of going all out. So I went ahead and signed up for a marathon. Should I be running a marathon? No, but I signed up for one. So uh, <clears throat> I was like, I'm going to go to the gym. So I went to the gym and I was sending a, a several of you guys in here texts of like, here's my, here's my times today. And they're all just like, it'll stop. No, but we, well, I, I was doing that. But here's what I noticed by going, because I'm not an avid runner or anything, as you can tell. And uh, what I noticed, though, was that I'd be running a half an hour, and I look over, and it's got this little calorie counter. And I'm about dying. Like, my lungs are gone. I can't feel my legs. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm comatose, just basically just moving, barely. But, but in doing that, I am... Uh, looking over, and I see that there are 400. After a half an hour, I'm nearly dead. I burned 400 calories. And then I go in a Starbucks, <laughs> and I look at the rack, and I'm like, what? this is what I would normally eat. And so I turned around the little graham cracker chocolate. You know what I've been convincing myself? It's dark chocolate. So it's acceptable chocolate. You turn it around, and it's several hundred calories. And so here's what happens when you're, when you're looking to drop dead weight. You, you understand by working out, you say, man, that's a lot of effort to let go of the dead weight. But it's so easy. It's so easy to pick it back up. Now, the passage isn't talking about working out. The passage is talking about the fact that you and I, we have dead weight in our lives. You and I, we have these, these, these things in our lives that maybe at one time were good for us. Maybe at one time they provided some level of protection. You and I, we have things in our lives that at one time it was useful. And so I want you to write this down. I was um, sharing, we have a, a counselor um, that was visiting the church last week and we were talking and I said, you know, I've really come across this uh, internal family systems, and I've been studying it and reading it, and it's amazing. It really, at least, you know, for me and the people that I've talked to, it makes complete sense. Internal family systems, it's a, a psychological perspective that essentially says that you and I, when we are wounded as a young person, we then become defensive against any of those kind of potential wounds in the future, by and large, and I'm fast-forwarding. But what happens is, is that we begin to react as adults through the lens of that hurt part of ourselves. So someone told you you were worthless and you were seven, and you said, I'll never be considered that again. And so as an adult, then you slash out at anybody that comes at you the wrong way, and you say, I don't know why I'm doing it. Well, it's because the seven-year-old inside is saying, pay attention to me. I'm still hurt. And, and over time, you and I, we build up, we build up different weights that we carry with us. We build up different burdens. We build up different hurts. And yes, we build up different sins that we carry. And they become functional for us. And they become functional because we say, well, hey, they're helpful to me. But you have to remember, that's the seven-year-old version or the 12-year-old version of yourself talking. And so as a result, you and I, we become adults and we understand the gospel and we know that we need life change. But we settle 
we settle for this idea of, of superficial spirituality where we don't actually have to investigate anything and admit that we have brokenness because that's too hard. What is so much easier is that if we can speak platitudes and if, if we're on the, uh, the far side of one aisle or another, we could just yell at other people and tell them where they're wrong. But the gospel, the scriptures are not about you and I walking around telling others where to get their act together. The gospels and the scriptures are saying things like this. Therefore, since you're surrounded by a great cloud of witness, lay aside every weight that's holding you back. You know what that means? That means that Tolly, my first job is not to correct you or to come at you. My, my first and primary role is to ask the Lord, Lord, what weight am I carrying around that is holding me back from being the man or the woman that you've designed me to be? What perspective, what sin, what lust, what temptation is inside that prevents me from being who you designed me to be? I think of Hebrews 11, and it often gets the moniker, the hall of faith. And Mike Messina just got in the hall of fame, and he decided to not wear an Oriole on his hat. But I understand. Ten years with us, we drafted him. That's okay. So the Hall of Fame, what we think of is we think, you know, the Hall of Fame, this is the best of the best. And we're going to enshrine them. And we're going to talk about these feats that no one else can do. And so in Christianity, sometimes we give ourselves an out because we say, look, this is the Hall of Faith. These people are amazing. God took time and made sure their names were written down for us to see how amazing their faith was. But you know what's a shame in all of that? It can be a tool of the enemy to keep you from becoming the man or woman God designed you to be. Because if I can just sit back and just say, well, no, 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 there are some special people that are gifted, then I don't have to exercise my faith. Those people had something special that was, that was blessed by God. And man, that's so awesome. I read that in Hebrews 11. But Hebrews 12, which by the way, when it was written, didn't have numbers. But Hebrews 12 right away says, in light of all of them, don't sit back and bask and just create a museum to these people of faith. No, you go out and you become the greatest woman of faith you can be. You go out and become the greatest man of God you can be. And where does it begin when you're working your why? Where it begins is you drop the dead weight. If I were to talk to you and we were to sit down or you were to sit down with a professional counselor, the goal would be to find the dead weight. What, what, is, what is inside that is hurting you? What lie are you believing? What version of yourself is not telling the full story? What, what harm are you doing to yourself because someone else said or did something to you that you continue to repeat? And so the damage that lasted three minutes or one sentence is now lasting 30 years. See, this isn't new. Jesus wants for you to drop everything. Say everything. Everything. Drop everything 
that is dead weight that so easily entangles us, all the sin that entangles us, all the brokenness, all the hurt, all the consequences that did not come from the Lord Jesus in your life, drop them and wake up tomorrow and and live and walk in his fullness and his grace and his love for you. You don't need a new body, a new hairstyle, a new car. You need a new why. You need a new why. Why do, why do wedding ceremonies have an exchange of vows? Why? It's because there are witnesses. And it's for you and I to go back and say, there was this day and I made that promise. I made that commitment. I have a why. One of the things that I tell couples whenever I do their, their uh, wedding ceremony is I tell them, like, when, when, you, when you have that ring and you look down, there's going to be little kids running through your house that are messing everything up that you had perfect. And you're going to need to look down and you're going to have to remember why. There, there's going to be clothes that, that he or she leaves other places. There's going to be toothpaste that is left on the countertops. Am I getting too personal, babe? There's... There's, there's going to be stuff that comes up, and you have to know your why. Because it's not going to be that you feel great today. It's not going to be that you're driven by your emotions today, and it's always going to lead you to the best place. It's not going to be that you're in your most healthy shape ever. It's going to be that you have to have a why. Why did we get in it? Why am I in it? And in your faith, it's the same way. You have to drop everything that so easily entangles and hold you back, the weights that beset you that you're not meant to carry anyway. I wish I could talk to each of you one-on-one and just talk through, like, man, what burdens are you carrying that the God of the universe doesn't even want you to carry to begin with? How are you looking at yourself in a way that the God of the universe doesn't even want you to look at yourself that way? What hurts do you have that have yet to be healed, but those hurts are causing you to hurt someone else? All of this is involved in the weight that you're carrying through this life. And your legs are heavier than they need to be. You're running out of oxygen faster. And you're not able to run the race that God has designed for you because of the extra weight you're carrying. You don't need a new anything except a new why. Hebrews 12.2, looking to Jesus The founder or the author, some of your versions will say, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, I'm going to say that again, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What do we learn when we work our why? Not only do we have to drop the dead weight, but we also, when we work our why, we endure in light of eternity. We endure in light of eternity. We don't endure through this situation because this situation is pleasant. We don't endure through this situation because it's what we would have signed up for. We don't endure through this situation because we, everybody around us thinks it's amazing. No, we endure in light of eternity. And here's what that way that looks at way that looks around here at this church has been people going through sickness and illness, and they've been enduring to the other side. But their focus has not been on the sickness right now and the body right now. When you talk to them, their focus is always like, God has a plan for me, and I don't understand today, but I am confident in my forever future. 
And so there's been people that go through that tragic loss of life we've experienced. And we keep our eye focused on eternity. We keep our eye focused on where that person is right now. We don't live in light of the pain in the moment. But the reality is that we live in light of reality. And reality is not just whatever is broken right in front of you that slows you down or gets you upset. The reality is not the relational friction that you're going through. The reality is the fact that there is a God above all of the relational friction. The reality is, is that there is a forever future in mind. The reality is, is that God designed you and he doesn't design junk. That's the real reality. We've got to lift our eyes up off of our circumstances and the immediacy and the temporal fixes and everybody needs to do what I want. We need to lift our eyes off of that and look as Jesus did. He said he looked and Jesus looked for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, but now he's seated on the throne. You know what the joy that was set before Jesus was? that allowed him to get through the cross. It was you. It was you. The joy that was set before Jesus was that he would be with you forever, that his children would be with him, that all would be made right, that the enemy would be at his feet, and the joy that was before him, he went even to the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, and he said, if there's any other way for people to be saved. If there's any other way, let it be so. Lord, let it happen a different way. But he said, if there's no other way, it's not about my will, but yours. And so enduring the cross wasn't some kind of a, a, a sensation where Jesus was like, you know what I want to do today? I want to get up and be mocked and ridiculed and beaten down and spat on and have my, my hair pulled out and, and be put on display. I, I, that's what I want to do today. No, we know for a fact that our Savior didn't even want to in the flesh do that. But he said, that, you know what? If there's any other way, let it be. Because why? He was telling us there is no other way. For Tolly Wilgus to be made right with the Father, Tolly Wilgus is going to have to rely on an absolute, perfect, atoning sacrifice. Because Tolly Wilgus is ravaged by sin and ravaged by brokenness, and ravaged by the pain of this world. And it, there is no other way for Tolly to get here. And so for the joy set before him, he endured the temporary. What is your why? Some of us, if we're honest, our why is temporary. Why we're doing things is temporary. I, I want people to affirm me. I, I want an income. I want to live in that neighborhood. I want that group of friends to like me. I want my parents to respect me now that I have a degree similar to what they have. And all of these things are temporary. To work your why means that you pick your eyes up and you elevate it and you elongate it and you look to eternity and you say, Lord, there's something bigger here. There's something bigger here that you want to do with my life. You don't want me to live this petty little life that's always looking out for my next want and, and whim and will. That's not what you want me to do. You don't want me to wake up every day and just try to num, 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 play hungry, hungry hippo. But that's what we do when, we're, when we don't have a why, when we don't have a purpose. You know what you do in the morning? You wake up and you start playing hungry, hungry hippo. And you take it out on your, your spouse or your roommate, and you're like, where's this? Where's that? What are you doing? I want things my way. 
Somebody takes your parking spot. I wanted that parking spot. And you're just on and on and on throughout the day. Well, that person over there, they always, they always chew with their mouth open. And I can hear them from the cubicle away. And we just, all day long, we just find ways to be offended and angry and bitter and upset. Because why? We want things our way. And the Lord's like, you know what? That's never going to give you purpose. Playing hungry, hunger, hippo is not the Christian thing to do. There's your t-shirt. So you and I, we've got to ask ourselves, what is our why? The joy that's set before you. What are you giving your time and attention to? You see, many of us, we're not giving our time and attention to the author and the perfecter of our faith. What many of us do, and I've been guilty, that's one thing if you're around Captivate, you're going to hear is I don't get up here as some pretentious jerk. I can be a jerk playing cornhole. I'm still working on it, praying through it. I just throw and it goes in. I don't know what to do. But... Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. We don't really, we, we don't really, I'm not, why are you laughing? It's true. So we, we don't really set our eyes on the author and perfecter. You know what many of us do? We, we have this habit. I did it this morning. Wake up, look at your phone. See an icon. It's like, hey, you got this many messages. I'm important. Hey, your Instagram has this many likes. I knew it would. You know, like, and we go through, and that gets our attention. And then you turn on the, the, the news, and, and on the news, now a journalist somewhere who's, whose job it is to generate clickbait, and so they find ways to get you passionate real quick, and so all of a sudden now it's like, that's important today, and so I got to get worked up, and so that gets your attention and so social media is getting your attention, and, and, and the, the entertainers are getting your attention. Did you hear where so-and-so went for dinner? Like, who cares? Like, let them eat. The, the entertainers get your attention. Sports figures. Did you hear so-and-so might have got traded? Yeah, they play sports. They hit a ball. They're, they're, they move. It happens. And so instead of when we think about our lives and you think about your spiritual life and you think about the why and you think about why am I so drained, why am I, why do I not have fulfillment and purpose, think about what gets your attention. Is it the author and the perfecter of your faith? Or is it sports figures, musicians, entertainers, journalists that are trying to drive up clickbait, Facebook people, memes of cats? Like what is getting your attention? I would submit to you that most of us would have to be honest and say, in a 24-hour span of time, 16 hours a week or so, what is getting between our ears is not necessarily the author and the perfecter of our faith. And if you want your faith to have a powerful why, you need to take what's in between your ears Take what's beating in your chest to the Lord and say, you're the author of this. You are the perfecter of this, meaning you make it right. 
You make me whole. And we take those and we submit them and we say, I need to bring my head and my heart to you because you'll give me the why. I don't need to generate a new why. I don't need to come up with another idea. I don't have to start another business or have a new income or get a promotion or have that person like me or get engaged or get married or get divorced or buy a house or sell a house, blah, 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 blah. It's not going to fulfill me. What I need to do is I need to hand over my heart and mind to the author and the perfecter because he got it right. Faced with the most um, death ensuing moment of his life, these last few moments, the scripture said he endured it all for the joy that was set before him. Something so much bigger, something so much better. The scripture tells us to set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. That's Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on things above. Hebrews 12.3 finishes off like this. Consider him. Everybody say Jesus. Consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Say, Pastor, I'm tired. I understand. Pastor, I'm disillusioned. I get it. I've been there too. Pastor, I, I don't even know about this whole thing anymore. I'm just drained. Come here, my friend. Let's sit. Let's hug. Because you're not alone. But what I have to tell you is that you have some dead weight. Let's find out what you're carrying and you shouldn't be carrying. What I have to tell you is that your, your Savior, the joy that was set before him, you know that he endured the cross to be with you. Like keep up this faith thing. Like Jesus, Jesus endured all of that pain, all of that torture, just to be with you. He, he loves you. Do you know you're loved? My friend, do you know you're loved? Do you know you're valued? Do you know that the God of the universe endured torture? Just to be able to build a bridge to you. You're valuable. You matter. And then, when we work our why, we don't grow weary. We don't grow weary because we sit back and we're, imagine you and I sitting under a tree someplace and we've taken a load off and we've talked about dropping our weight. We've talked about the value that you have to God for the joy set before him. He endured the cross to be with you. But then as you're resting, remember, don't grow weary. You grow weary when you do things in your own power. You don't grow weary doing things in the way that Christ called you to. Because what did he say? Jesus said, take my yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm the vine and you are the branch. Do you know how much work a branch does? Nothing. It just hijacks everything from the vine. It just, it just hangs there. 
No purpose. Just, just receive. That's your job. Receive and give out fruit. That's it. No work. So why are you tired? Why are you restless? Why are you anxious? Why are you heavy laden and burdened? Why are you frustrated by the things you've tried before? My friend, I would lovingly tell you, you're probably carrying some weight you shouldn't carry. You probably have your eyes focused on some things you shouldn't be focused on. And you're probably getting weary by doing everything the opposite of what the Lord has asked you to do. This Christian thing, it's a lot simpler than we make it. And trust me, being in the ministry, I was having a conversation yesterday about somebody asking percentages and this and that, attendance. And so I'm just not even thinking. I'm in the middle of a birthday party and just being like, well, this is that and this is that and here's your averages and here's what you both. And then I just stopped and I was like, that can get exhausting. Because none of that stuff matters. At the end of the day, what matters is the simple message of the gospel. I asked my daughter, we were pulling in this morning, I said, Ainsley, do you know what the word gospel translates to? And she goes, God loves you and has a plan for your life. And I said, that's pretty good, actually. The straight translation is, it's the good news. It's the good news. It's all. When Jesus came, he came to bring you good news. The good news is that you and I not only cannot do the work it takes to be made righteous and holy, but the good news is Jesus is not even asking you to. The good news is you shouldn't even be trying hard. The good news is, is that you are loved, you are rescued, you are redeemed, you are valuable, you are an amazing son or a daughter of God, you are imago dea, you are the image of God, you are an image bearer of God. Look down the aisle from you right now, look to your left, look to your right, those are image bearers of God. And because of that, they don't need approval they don't need uh, sanctioned. They don't need governed. They just deserve to be loved. And if you can walk in the grace and the love and the mercy of your God, and if you can know every day that your religious experience is not dependent on you and how you feel, and that you're not supposed to be a hungry, hungry hippo, then you can wake up and take some of those burdens off and walk out of this room today saying, Lord, thank you for letting me leave my burdens there. I've been trying too hard. I've been trying to make this about something that it's not. It's all about you, Jesus. Let me live in the reality that I'm loved. Let me live in the reality that I am not a broken child. Let me live in the reality that I do not have to earn my way into God's grace let me simply receive the gift of Jesus and walk in the confidence of that truth that he is mine and I am his. That's my why.
So why do I love my wife? I love my wife because she's God's gift. Why do I love my children? It's not for anything that they've done or can do. I love my children because the scripture says they too are also my gift. Why do I love friends and family and laughter? You want to guess my answer? They're God's gift to me. And so with that as my whole motive and my whole burden, I won't grow weary. I won't get tired. I'm not going to be angry all the time and bitter. I'm not going to live in my past. I'm a lot older than I was at seven. But I'm going to live in the hope and the joy and the confidence for the joy that is set before me. I'll endure whatever's to come. Because I know that when all this is over and our names aren't remembered anymore or mentioned off of the mouths of men, you and I are going to be with our Lord. And there, he calls us his beloved. 